Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right. My wife has told me I'm not allowed to say how's everybody doing anymore, so how y'all doing? (laughs) If you don't know what y'all means, there's a county ordinance you can't vote for five years if you're new to the area. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. (laughs) <laughs> but really, don't vote. No, I'm good. All right. <laughs> we are in a series on uh, in Romans. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. Um, you know, if you, maybe you're new to the faith, or, or, or maybe you haven't um, uh, gotten into studying the Word of God, but Romans is a great first book to start studying. If you want to look at one of the Gospels, I'd really suggest John. And um, uh, we're going to go through that. I'll kind of explain some of the reasons for that in just a minute. But um, Romans is just a, it's a tremendous book. It's one of my favorite uh, books in the Bible. And if you're going, well, you shouldn't have favorites. It's the Bible. I'm going to tell you why it's okay to have a favorite every now and then, all right? So we're going to start out Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> you know, the, I want to talk about the revelation of God, which is the Word of God, and why that was, is, is significant and why it relates it to the Jews and why it's significant for us. Um, you know, they, the Jews did such an amazing job of of maintaining and keeping the Word of God. And they had um, people that trained their whole lives, you know, until they were in their 30s sometimes, to, to be able to just transcribe the Word of God, just copy it from one page to another. And then they would spend the rest of their lives just copying the Word of God. And Hebrew is a, a difficult language to write. There are all kinds of dots, and a, and a, a dot here or a slash there can change the meaning of the word. And so they spent their whole lives learning and understanding it so that they could get it perfectly. And they preserved the word that was given to them um, in a really a way that we should be thankful for. You know, even to the point that in, in, in our modern times, they found, um, they're called the Dead Sea Scrolls, where they found a cave where a lot of God's word that dates way back had been preserved and kept there to be safe during different wars and things that might have happened. And so we have a lot of, uh, of confidence in the Word of God and, and in the Old Testament because of the work that the Jews did to preserve it. And one of the things, there's some different things about the Word of God, the revelation of God. And that's, um, you know, you, you'll hear the, and it's true, that Jesus can be found on every page in Scripture. And that's true. But the Word of God is also, it's like a fruit tree. Um, if you go out and there's, you know, you have an apple tree in the backyard, um, the kids go out and there's some fruit that's just right there. and It's easy to pick and it's ripe and it's ready to go. And then some of the fruit's a little bit hard, higher up, a little bit harder to find. And, and that same thing is true in the Word of God. There's fruit there, but there's certain places in Scripture where you have to work a little bit harder to get some of the truth that God wants you to get. And then there's a book like Romans where the entire gospel of salvation is laid out nearly in every chapter. 
I mean, you could go to someone with the first chapter of Romans and explain salvation to them from beginning to end. You could go to the second chapter of Romans and not have to go anywhere else and explain salvation from beginning to end. And today we're going to look at Romans chapter 3, and you'll see how you could explain salvation to someone from beginning to end. You know, now there are other places, <clears throat> you know, there, there, if, if we're not careful, we can look in, in, in certain places in Scripture and, and take one verse to mean this, or, or you know, there are people that, uh, groups that have kind of gotten off track a little bit by looking at one verse, and you have to look at Scripture as a whole. What is it all saying? Um, but nowhere can you find the whole uh, truth of salvation any more clearly described than in the book of Romans. And, you know, even in the Gospels, um, John probably has less of some of the works of Jesus. There's less miracles that are reported there. But there is a, a commitment to overall understanding the Gospel in the book of John that is seen from the very first verses. And they all have value. You know, Matthew in the beginning of his has the genealogy of Jesus. And that's important historically to understand that when Jesus was born, that his birth and his lineage is a fulfillment of prophecy. But then you have uh, John chapter one. And it, there's really some beautiful things there. Man, my Bible's sticking together. Sorry about that. Um, in John chapter one, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. And that word is Jesus. He existed in the beginning of God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. In the very first chapter of John, you have the whole gospel. And down in verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am for he existed long before me. And so, you know, I'd encourage you if you haven't read through all the way through one of the Gospels to start with the book of John. Now, they all have um, great truth in them, and they all speak of salvation, and they all reveal who Jesus is. So I'm not saying that one is worth more than the other, you understand. But what I'm saying is that there are parts that have greater impact than others. There are verses that have greater impact than others. You know, let's look at John 3.16. <clears throat> for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And I bet there are a lot of us, me included, that would say, you know what? That verse was, was quoted by the preacher, by somebody that was talking about so anybody else that that verse was a part of your salvation. Is there anybody? There's some of you, all right? That's good. Some of you don't remember and that's cool. That's an important verse. But there's a great impact to that verse. And then there's other verses that are still part of the inspired Word of God that have truth in them but may not have the same impact. And I'm not trying to make fun of a verse here, but let's look at 2 Timothy 4.13. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also bring my books and especially my papers. Now, is there anybody in here that that was a part of your salvation experience? Anybody? If, there, if it was, I'm really interested to hear your story. I want to talk to you on and up. So then you might go, well, what's the, you know, is there, any, what, do, what do you get from that verse? Okay, Paul left his coat. Well, 
Any Texan man knows, and woman too, that sometimes we leave our coats behind. We've all left our coats. Anybody else? You leave in Texas in the morning, it might be 20 degrees, and it might be 80 by 2 o'clock. I've left coats in all kinds of places. And then I've also wanted somebody to bring me a coat because I left when it was 80 degrees and then it was 20 degrees later in the day. So we can all relate to that. Be, be sure to bring the coat that I left with, with Troas. He left it there. He forgot it. <clears throat> so what's the, what, what could you get from that? Here's what I'd get from it. Paul was a man just like us. And you know what? We can look at these, these men in Scripture and, and, and through whom Scripture came, and we need to understand they weren't some superhuman human, human beings. They were men just like we are. And yet God inspired them by his Holy Spirit and used them to bring us the Word of God. And so that's something we can even learn from a Scripture like that. But I think we could also see that there are verses that have greater impact on us than others. And so there's nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, most people would have a fam- favorite verse, you know, or something that's really spoken to them through the years. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that doesn't mean that, that you're, you're devaluing the Word of God. The Word of God is the Word of God. It's His revelation to us. And there's something that can be learned all throughout Scripture. But there are some parts that have greater impact, particularly in salvation, than in others. And so here's, why is that important? Because as we study the Word of God, there there are a couple things we need. Number one, there's two things. Number one, you need to read the Word of God yourself. You know, I tell you that all the time when I'm preaching. Hey, read read it for yourself. Look in the Word of God. And that's important. And you have everything that you need to understand or for God to speak to you through the, through the Word. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is going to teach us all things. And so we can go to the Word of God and God can speak to us through it. But we also need people to teach us. That's why there are pastors, there are people that are gifted with teachings that lead small groups, and that's why that's important. <clears throat> you know, uh, Philip was taken up, and he, he found himself running alongside the, the chariot with an Ethiopian eunuch in it. And the, the Ethiopian was reading from the book of Isaiah. And so Philip asked him, well, do you know what you're reading? And he said, how can I know unless someone explains it to me? And so there are parts where we need to be taught by others. And one of the, there's two extremes here. Number one, if you only read it and you never, you know, you're never part of a church, you never hear teachings of someone else, you never share the Word of God or, or discuss it with someone else, it's easy to be deceived by a verse or to maybe not understand something that may, maybe you get later on with maturity. And so you can, you can know what the Word of God says, but we need each other sometimes to fully grasp what it is. Now, here's the other part. If you only get the Word of God from what other people are telling you, then you never get it for yourself either. And those are two extremes, and they're both dangerous. We need to have both. And you say, well, what, what difference does it make? Here's the difference. When I come in and share with you the Word of God, I, I do it from this place that I've seen God's Word proven to be true in my life over and over again. There's nothing, there's nothing that could happen, no one that could come in here and argue that could convince me that God's not real because I've experienced him, because I know him, 
because I've heard him speak to me through the word. I've seen his word come, come to life. I've seen him provide for me. I've seen him make a way where there was no way. And so that's what I come to you with when I come and bring the word of God on a Sunday. But here's the deal. That's not enough. You need to have your own experiences like that. You can know a lot of things about the Word of God. The Jews knew more about the Word of God than anybody ever. They were dedicated to following the Word of God. There were people that had portions of it memorized. There were people that were set aside to only study the Word of God. The scribes, all they did was transcribe the Word of God. But guess what the problem was? They missed out on the ultimate purpose of the Word of God. And here's the ultimate purpose of the Word of God in this form and in my preaching. It's so that you would come to know God and to have a relationship with Him. And here's where it can be dangerous. If you only get your Word from other people's experiences and they don't at some point become your own, then all you know is what someone else has experienced about God. And if you only know what the Word of God says, and that doesn't lead you in a relationship with Him, then you might end up just like the Jews that for thousands of years studied the Word of God, preserved it, knew it. It was their identity. But guess what? When God became flesh and stood right in front of them, they had no idea who He was. They didn't recognize Him as God. Because they knew all about God's word and they knew stuff about God, but they didn't know God. And that's the whole purpose of God's revelation to us is so that we would know him. And if you're not careful <clears throat> and you only get from other people's testimonies and you only get from maybe what the word says in and of itself and you don't through that come to know God, you've missed the whole point. And so you need both. You do need to be in the Word. You know, God wants to speak to you through His Word. And God also wants to speak to you through men who the Bible says have been set apart to bring and to teach the Word of God. And so those things work together. But ultimately, the purpose of those things is so that you would trust God and experience those things for yourself. You see, the faith that I have originally came because somebody else experienced the love of God, and it changed their life. And they told me about it. And I came to believe it because the Word of God's true and because of those that shared it with me, the testimonies that they had. But that's not enough to sustain you. You need to have your own testimony. And now, the testimony that I have about God is based on what I've seen and what I know and what He's spoken to me and what He's shown to be true. You need to have that kind of testimony. And you get that by having both. And so that's what, why the Word of God is so important and why we need to be immersed in it, not only in our personal lives, but through people that teach and preach it, divide the Word of God correctly. Find those kind of folks. So here's, and, and that's why anybody that would tell you, if you ever hear somebody and they're saying, hey, God's told me something he's never told anybody else, beware. Okay? Because here's the thing. 
Anybody that teaches you that doesn't tell you, hey, go look in the Word of God and see for yourself, beware. Always check it out against the Word on your own. So now, I know you are thinking, dude, is he ever going to get through that one verse? Yes, I'm done with it now. And, I, you know, I, I do love, I love the book of Romans because there's, there's so much impactful Scripture in this one, in this one book. And I'm going I'm to continue on this series for about a few more weeks, and then we're going to take a break from it. I'm going to pick it up later on. I could, I could literally go a whole year and probably not get through half the book of Romans if I really just went verse by verse. So I'm not doing that right now. I have at times, I've learned my lesson. There was a time several years ago where I went through the book of Exodus, and it lasted a very long time. As a matter of fact, we had a church talent night, and the, the teenagers got up there and did a skit about what our church was going to look like 30 years down the road. And they had me up there dressed as an old man, and they said, what are you preaching on? We're still in Exodus chapter 10. <laughs> and they weren't wrong. And I got the message. So <laughs> I try to keep them a little bit shorter now. So anyway, Romans 3, 9 through 10. Let me, I'm going to tell you up front what the gist of these verses are, and that is that we are all guilty. We're, we're, we're born in sin. We're born with a sin nature. And so in 3.9 it says, Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we've already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scripture says, scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. And what he's saying is that we're all born with a sin nature. No one has to be taught how to sin. We're born in a sin nature because that's in our DNA. It was passed down to us from our parents who were sinners, from their parents before them who were sinners, all the way back to Adam and Eve who sinned first. And so we're born in that. There's nobody that's innocent. We're all guilty. And I, well, what about a little baby? You know, I got a, a grandbaby. She's, we had four generations of my family here in the first service. My parents were here. Uh, my sister-in-law came down with them. And it was my granddaughter's first Sunday in church. So we had four generations of us in that first service. And yes, my granddaughter's perfect and beautiful and innocent. But here's the deal. She's still guilty. Now, there's an age of accountability. The scripture tells us that. David talked about how when his, when his child died, his, his infant died, he said, you know, they can't come to me, but I'll go to them. And so there's truth in the scripture about that. But they were still, she was still born with a sin nature. She's still born guilty. Okay? Now God's merciful and God's good. But here's what that, that means. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. Here's the truth. None of us just decided, man, I want to get right with God. God pursued us, not the other way around. Well, I, you know, I felt this desire to go learn. Yeah, that desire was prompted by the Holy Spirit. That was God drawing you. We don't draw God. God draws us. Jesus said it. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. We're drawn to him, not vice versa. Left to our own devices, none of us would see God. And I know y'all think, well, I would. No, you wouldn't. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. That's an indictment of all of us without God and without the Holy Spirit convicting us of our sin and our need for a Savior. 
<clears throat> and then it goes in and it gives a description of what we're like when we're lost. It's hard to listen to, but it's the truth. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are, are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. So I know, you're, I know what you're thinking. Well, when I was lost, I really wasn't that bad of a person. I mean, I was still pretty nice. But here's the problem. That's just comparing us to other people. The fact is, when you go through the Word of God, you begin to realize more and more how far away we are from God when we're lost, when we don't know Him. If I went through a list of sins, maybe, you know, some of you think, well, I might be guilty of one or two. But the fact is that when you're talking about in your heart and in your mind and in the flesh, we're guilty of nearly all of them. Well, I never murdered anybody. Have you had anger in your heart towards someone? Guess what? Well, I've never committed adultery. Well, have you lusted for a woman with your eyes? Guess what? You've already committed adultery with her in your heart. That's what Jesus said. We are guilty, period. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the whole world is guilty before God. There's nobody that can stand up and say, well, I didn't really need Jesus to die on the cross for me because I've been good enough. We're all guilty. Now, that's one of the things that honestly is, is difficult to tell someone. Hey, you're a sinner. We're guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Here's the purpose of the law. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. See, the law wasn't given to the Jews so that they could live righteous lives by following the law. It was supposed to show them that they couldn't be good enough. That's what the sacrifices were for. The sacrifices that they made, the shedding of blood, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, period. The sacrifices they made, they all had to admit the blood had to be shed for them. And all that was so they would be able to recognize Jesus when he came. And so that they would know the law simply shows us how sinful we are. All have sinned. Romans 3, 21 through 23. But now God has shown us a, a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. Because none of us can as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. You see, here's the thing, is that our lives are not judged against other people. We don't get to say, well, I'm better than most of those folks. Well, I hadn't been as bad as them. We're compared with perfection, with holiness. And when we're compared with that, we all fall short. You know, we could go, I remember years and years ago, how many of y'all remember Evil Knievel? Y'all remember? Dude was crazy. 
But one time he decided he was going to jump the, the Grand Canyon with a rocket. Y'all remember that? He got like 50 feet out there was it. I mean, he wasn't even close. And so here's the difference. Whether you just decide to run and jump or you get a bicycle or you get a motorcycle or you got what some kind of rocket propelled thing he got, we're all going to end up in the same place. You might have got 10 feet farther out than I did, but you're going to hit bottom just like me. And all I do is walking. So that's the whole point of it. We're all going to fall short. And you might think, well, I got farther out there than them. You're still going to fall and you're going to be short. All have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard because that's what we're judged against is his standard. And guess what? As good as you think you were, nobody in here had only sinned single digit times before they met Jesus. Nobody in here even said, well, maybe triple digits. That's all. I, we've all sinned thousands of times because every thought, everything in our heart, every action that's a sin, they're all sins. And we are woefully short. All have sinned. But here's the good news. Yet God. Those are some of the the most important words in the scripture right then. It's just talked about how everyone sinned. We all fall short. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. I want you to get this truth. You're not righteous and right before God because of anything you've done. You're not right with him because, well, I was smart enough to accept Jesus. You're, you're righteous before God because he declared you righteous. And that's the thing about the word, the spoken word of God. When he declares or says something, it's eternally true. In the same way we talked about last week, <clears throat> that when he says something is a sin, it's always going to be a sin. But when he declared you righteous because of your faith in Jesus, you're always going to be righteous before him. Now, there are times <clears throat> when all of us maybe look like the prodigal son. The, that parable that Jesus gave of the prodigal son is not about a lost person coming to the faith in Jesus, it's about a saved person. It's about somebody that was already a son. And you don't become a son until you have a relationship with Jesus. Nobody's naturally born into God's family. We're all adopted through Christ Jesus. And here's the thing, that son, you know what he did? He told his dad he rebelled against him. And he went out and spent all his money on wanton living. As bad as you can imagine. And see, here's the deal. That whole time, he was still his father's son. There came a point where he decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to my father and tell him, I'm not worthy to be your son. Just let me live in your house as a slave. And you know what his dad did? He wrapped his arms around him. He said, this is my son. He has come home. And he, he put a, 
a, a cloak around him and a ring on his finger and had him kill a fatted calf for a celebration because he was lost, but now he's found. He was never not his son. He was just living in rebellion. Now, here's something I want to make clear, though. <clears throat> declaring us, God declaring us righteous is not license for us to go out and sin and do whatever we want to do and live however we, however we choose. God declared us righteous. You know, there, there's, a, there's a sentence there in the story of that prodigal son where after all his money was gone, his friends deserted him, and he's out there feeding pigs. And the Bible says he came to his senses. You see, God declared you righteous, knowing that there were going to be times you were going to rebel. It wasn't so that you could go and do whatever you wanted. It was so that when you came to your senses, you could come home and be accepted as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. That's a miraculous thing. You know, in the day and age we live in, who would have blamed the father in that story? You know, his son started out by coming up to him and, and saying, you know my inheritance that I'm supposed to get when you die? I want it now. In other words, I wish you were dead right now. He didn't want to live under his father's rules. His father didn't fight him. He didn't try to take you. But who would have blamed him if when he come back, he said, you know, you've done the worst thing you could do to me. No, you can't come back. But because he'd been declared righteous, because he was still his father's son, he accepted him with, with open arms. His father used to watch every day waiting for his son to come back. And that's the thing, when we drift off into sin, one of the things that we need to remember is the one that sacrificed everything so that we could be declared righteous is watching and waiting for us to come to our senses and return to him. And that should be our motivation. That even when we do blow it, when we go into those times of rebellion, it's not, oh, well, you know what? I can do whatever I want because I've been declared righteous. The idea that our Heavenly Father yearns for us to return should be enough to turn us around. We've been declared righteous. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when He held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For He was looking ahead and including them in what He would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate His righteousness, for He Himself is fair and just, and He declares sinners to be right in His sight when they believe in Jesus. So here's what, what Paul's saying there. Is you might think, what about those people in the Old Testament? They didn't have Jesus. Jesus hadn't died for their sins. But what he's telling you is that God counted ahead of time what Jesus was going to do. And because of their faith, He gave them credit for what Jesus was going to do later on. As a matter of fact, that's the word that's used. It says, Abraham believed God, and God credited it to him as righteousness. He declared him righteous because of what Jesus was going to do for them. So the people in the Old Testament are saved just like we are. They had faith in God. They believed God. And it was credited to them for righteousness. Now, 
When we believe God, and we believe in faith, what Jesus did for us, he declares us righteous because of what Jesus has already done. So we're both saved the same way. It's by faith. It's not by works. The men and women of the Old Testament weren't saved because they did the right things. They were saved because they believed God. They were saved by faith just as we are. Can we boast then that we've done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. So you see, here you see in, in Romans chapter 3, the whole of the gospel. We're sinners. We're guilty. We fall short. Yet God, because he loved us, sent his son as a sacrifice to die on the cross for my sins and for yours so that we could be made right through him. And that when we come to him, you know, this is, this is something all, all believers struggle with. And that is, you know what, it's, it's, we can kind of grasp, all right, God forgave me for all the sins I did before. But what about the sins I've committed after I've been a believer? Sometimes it's a little bit harder to get hold of that, isn't it? Could God, I mean, I knew better. I knew better. See, even the son thought, there's no way. I'm not worthy to be his son, but maybe if I, if I go and, and I humble myself before him, that God will just, the Father will just let me kind of be a servant because they had a better life than I'm living now. And sometimes we see ourselves that way that I, I don't really deserve to be God's child. And here's the, here's the truth, you don't. But you never did. It wasn't because you deserved it. It was because God loved you. And when the prodigal came back, his father didn't say, well, you can earn your way back. He said, this is my son. He threw his arms around him and he loved him. And here's the thing I want you to get. Anytime you start thinking, how could you be, you're not, a real Christian wouldn't have done that is I want you to remember this. You're right, I don't deserve it. But God declared me righteous because I believed that what Jesus did for me on the cross was real. So anytime you start hearing that, well, how could you really be a Christian and do this? That's not the words of God. That's not the voice of God. That's the voice of the enemy. Because here's what the voice of God says. No matter how much we've rebelled, no matter how much we've fallen away, no matter what we've done, the voice of God said, this is my son. This is my daughter. And there is nothing that can change that. Because when you come to faith in Jesus, you are declared righteous by the one whose word is eternal and cannot be overturned. That's why Jesus said, the ones that are mine, no one, they're in my Father's hand, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. 
You can't be snatched out, drug out, or jump out of the Father's hand. Once you're in his hand, you belong to him because he has declared it to be so. And none of your doubts, none of your actions, nothing you do can undo what God has done. That's why once you are saved, you are always saved. And so don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Once you're in his hand, you're always in his hand. And that is the amazing, beautiful truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that was shared with you, that was told to you. And now it's our responsibility to tell others about the good news that your sins can be forgiven. You know what? One of the things that keeps us from that sometimes is this idea that, and what if I mess it up? What if I don't say everything exactly right? You know, I, I've told this before, and I'll tell it again. Before I ever came here, I, I went to a, a training about how to witness to people. And it, it's, it was using the acronym of faith, because faith is the, that's the key. And every word, you know, F was for forgiveness. A is all have sinned. I don't remember what I was, but H was heaven. I know that. All right. So anyway, it's been a long time. I don't really use it anymore, but you would go through and you'd say, hey, it's about faith. And F means this and A, you know, and we'd go through all those letters. And then as part of our training, once we'd kind of learned it, we would go out and we would share the gospel with, with people. <clears throat> so I went out and um, went through the whole th went through the presentation and asked them, you know, would you would you like to trust Christ as your Savior and Lord? And they said, yeah. So I prayed with them and, you know, and they, they led them to Christ. And as we, when we left, you know, there was another trainee with me and they're like, dude. And I was like, what? So well, you realize you just led that person to Christ using fat. And I was like, really? And they said, yeah, you totally skipped over I and H, nothing in there. So does that mean they weren't saved? No. Because guess what? We're not always going to do things perfectly. And you, well, I don't know. If, you got, if you're saved, you know enough to tell somebody else how to be saved. Because you got there. And you've done it. And yet, it may not all be just right or every word in the verse, but you know the truth. And that is that, you know what? Jesus came to save sinners. That we're all sinned. We've all sinned fall short of the glory of God. If you can't remember anything else, maybe faith is too much. Apparently it was for me. I don't even remember what I still now today stands for. I'm about to go look that up. All right, but anyway, here's the deal. You can do it with ABCs. It's as simple as this. What do you got to do? A, admit you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. B, believe that Jesus is God's son that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he rose on the third day, according to Scripture. And then see, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your, with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
It's really that simple. It's ABC. And so here's the question that I have for you. Do you have a relationship with Christ? I'm not asking you how much you know about him. I'm not asking you how many times you go to church. I'm not asking you how many sermons you've heard preached. I'm asking, do you have a relationship with Christ? Has there ever been a, a time in your life where you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and confessed him as your Lord? And if you haven't, I got good news for you. I don't have some big list of works for you to do. Here's what you got to do is believe. You got to believe. And you have to grasp it in faith for your own. Now, it's not enough just to say, yeah, I believe Jesus is God's son. Because guess what? The demons also believe and they tremble. You have to grab hold of it by asking for forgiveness and by confessing Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And you know what it says? You will be saved if you do that. And so if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now, you're carrying around a load of guilt. You might not even know you're carrying it. But you can know what it feels like to have it removed in just a few moments. You don't have to walk out of here carrying the same load you came in here with because you can be forgiven. Well, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know. There's no sin too big for God to forgive. There's no sin that can't, wasn't paid for on the cross by Jesus' death. None. Well, I did it more. I don't care. Your sins can be forgiven. And if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know you have peace with God, and if you'd like to know that from this day forward, you've been declared righteous and you belong to him and someday you'll live with him in heaven. If you'd like to know those things, I want to lead you in just a brief prayer of salvation. And you can repeat the words after me when I pray it or you can pray it in your own words. You don't even have to say them out loud. Just pray in your heart. God will hear you. But if you'd like to have that, know that you're forgiven and know that you belong to him. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes. And I want you to pray this with me right now. If that's you, and you know you'd like to be, to be forgiven of your sins, you'd like to be right with God, you pray this with me right now. Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. And thank you for Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life and change me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer with no, still nobody looking around, I want you to know something. You've been forgiven of all your sins. You are now a son or a daughter of God, and that can never be changed. You belong to him. I want to encourage you to tell somebody. And here's what I want to do in just a moment. If you made that decision today, I want to pray for you before you leave.
So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Without anybody looking around, if you prayed that prayer, I want you, you don't have to stand up, you don't have to say anything. I just want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you and make eye contact. You look up right now if you prayed that prayer today. All right. I'm going to pray for each of us in just a moment that God would help us to share what we've been given with others. That's our purpose in life, is to share the good news that Jesus came and did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So I want to pray for you about that. If you're interested in being a part of our church family, I want to encourage you to let one of us know. We'd love to get with you and set up a time to talk about church membership, what that means, and to answer any questions you might have. There's a number on your screen. There's a, a code in the bulletin you were given that you can open those up through with your phone and just send us some information and we'll get back with you and set up a time to get with you. We'd love to do that. So right now, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those um, that, are, that are still struggling with that decision about following Jesus. And I want to pray that God would help us to be his witness wherever we go. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you. And God, the message of your, the truth of your gospel never gets old. Father, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross so that we might know you and that we might be forgiven of all of our sins. We pray and we ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.